0: It's time to shake up that paradigm. Welcome to Infinite Banking Radio. Hey everybody, thank you uh, for downloading this month's podcast. This is Patrick Donahoe. You are listening to Infinite Banking Radio. Hope everybody uh, is having a good fall so far. Uh, it's going to be much better after we have this conversation today. But uh, first, as, uh, as far as announcements are concerned, we, we've recently relaunched our, uh, our e-learning program, Infinite 101. So make sure you uh, go to our website, www.paradigmlife.net, and uh, register for that. It's absolutely free, and it, uh, it's also the platform that uh, we're going to launch our uh, client portal on. So our client portal is specifically for clients, and uh, it, it's not free, uh, just clients that actually go uh, go through our process and do business with us will have access to that. But like I said, it's on the same platform. So make sure, again, you go to our website, www.paramlife.net. Uh, also, this uh, podcast is being uh, videoed. We're going to start a, a video podcast uh, through our YouTube channel. So uh, if you do want to see us, uh, I'm sure we sound much better than we look. Uh, you can do so by going to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Paradigm life. Okay, so the reason uh, reason why I think this month's podcast is going to be uh, awesome is I have a, a really special individual here, uh, Eric McGuire, and uh, and Eric and I have been I think connected on LinkedIn for for uh, for a number of years, but never actually uh, connected literally, even though you're just yeah. you know forty five minutes uh, an hour away. Uh, but uh, but Eric, uh, his his brother was in the financial services industry and uh, was a big influence on on me a number of years ago, and uh, and uh, tragically passed away in an airplane crash uh, in 2006. Uh, and he did quite a bit. We're going to talk a lot about uh, him today, as well as his uh, one of the the, the publications he uh, he made. Uh, which is called the economic value of certainty. Um, but, but Eric, why don't you uh, just to maybe take a moment and introduce yourself and uh, where you're from, what you're about, family situation, just general introduction.
1: Great. Yeah, I'm glad to be on the call. Like you said, I'm the brother of Les McGuire, and um, I live in Provo, Utah, just south of Salt Lake, mm-hmm. and have a family, five kids at the moment, wife, just great life. You know, beautiful kids. You know,
0: happy doing, living the dream. So, And you, and, and Les, Les got you into the financial services industry back in 2005-ish, 2006-ish, correct? Yeah, it was a little bit before
1: that. Okay. Um, he he discovered these things early 2000s, mm-hmm. and I was just graduating from college um, in 2001. And so he introduced me to these concepts, and me as a business owner at the time, he, he introduced it to me as a business owner, and mm-hmm. I loved it, graduating college, but I still had a business on the side. and. And then, so I, I he introduced it first that way, and then I started to mentor under him and follow him around to kind of help him out. Never formally got into where I was meeting one on one with clients, but I'd mm-hmm. be in meetings with him, and so I learned these principles from him. And then when he passed away in 2006, kind of took the torch over and, and saw the value and the the um what he did to people's lives, mm-hmm. and I wanted to have that same impact with people. Yeah. So that's what got me in the business in 2006 to meet one on one with people and start helping them directly. And I
0: and. It, you probably felt like I was stalking you, but uh, but I, I you know when we met up this summer, yeah. you know I emailed you through LinkedIn and uh, and then we met up. And I'm like, man, I don't know if you know who I am. I'm yeah. I'm sorry. I I swear I'm not gonna like sell you Amway or anything. <laughs> but but we had a great conversation, hit it off, yeah. and obviously. You know, the Apple doesn't fall far from the tree and so it's uh it's gonna be a really cool conversation today so we're and
1: you were actually on my to-do list at the time too to call oh, yes, like, you, yes, you were yes, on my mind uh, earlier in the spring you know more, more March April time yeah. I was thinking I should call Patrick up yeah. and just connect and you know get to know him and we were actually friends on Facebook too so both places oh, really? I would yeah. see you pop pop up here and there and every time I saw it I think I better reach out to him but you you beat me to the punch <laughs> so you get credit for everything
0: yeah. and it's and it's been really cool because you've uh, you know we've, we've been working together for Almost six months now, and it's uh, it's been it's been really awesome to have your perspective on things. So so we're going to talk primarily today about one of the publications that uh, that Les Les wrote. What, do you know what year did he write the Economic Value of Certainty? I know he wrote it ironically on my birthday, August did 19th, really,
1: but I can't remember what
0: date. I think I put it in here. It was either um, it was probably 2004, 2005. I think it was 2005, 2005. if I remember correctly. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna put, put the in. we're gonna put the PDF and we have a really neat pamphlet that you actually published, yep. uh which is right there. But we'll uh, we'll put the, the PDF and also some contact information if you would like the actual physical pamphlet. So let's talk about the economic value of certain people. I mean what was what what's the premise? What's the premise behind it?
1: He basically brought it into um, it's a really a principle that we operate in our life all the time. We don't really identify it. But he, he tried to identify it and then tie it to the financial services industry. Yeah. And we get raised with certain phrases, and he doesn't include this in this in this publication, but, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Mm-hmm. We've heard of all these <laughs> things as we've been brought up. Yeah. But that's really, what does he talk about? Certainty. Something yeah. in the hand is worth more than not in the hand. And so he talks about in the economic sense, a dollar,
0: a guaranteed dollar, has more value than a non-guaranteed dollar. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. We... I think, in a sense, whether we acknowledge it as such, work on a kind of a probability, and yeah. it's the probability of this, the probability of that. I mean, the probability of tomorrow is very high, just because we've experienced new, new days. Yeah. Uh, the probability that our routines in life are not going to change are, are pretty certain. Uh, and so, if you look at certainty, certainty to a lot of people is is very is very boring. And I think that human beings we always gravitate toward what's exciting or what's on the edge, or what's edgy, and that's yeah. that's and, and, and I think that. Uh, it, it's hurtful in a, in a sense because it's looking true. at looking at certainty, I guess there's a pro and a con. If you're certain about something, it could definitely mitigate or hinder progress, yeah. right? Yeah. But at the same time, certainty also allows for a, a much more open mind and a clarity to be able to progress at a faster rate. So let's maybe go in, go into that. So I think looking at human beings, if you get comfortable in a specific, whether it's your job or whether it's your life, it is I mean, I guess it's productive in a sense, but how is it unproductive? Um say that again, sorry so look, I mean look, looking at your your routine, your habits, getting yeah. kind of in in that stage of life, everything's good, so in a sense, that is good, yeah, but also how does that hinder progress? Oh, I see yeah, yeah if you don't
1: introduce new ideas and think and you know be a producer, as my brother would say, he um, didn't coin the phrase but used it all the time producer consumer mm. and said as a producer, you're always looking at how to add value to yourself and to other people. Yeah. And and ultimately, to add more value to yourself is by serving other people. Is okay. what he would teach, and he'd say, "Wealth is in your mind, yep. and if you don't help other people and increase their their life and help them, you won't, your life will stay
0: stale and stagnant." Yeah, and of course, I mean yeah, that's that's the that's the main thing is life. I, I guess a static, you know, a, a static set of circumstances um, it can exist, but also it can be you know defined as regression as as yep. opposed to progression because. There, there's always more that we can do. okay? Yep. There's always more value that we cre- can create. There's always more love that we can give. There's always more that we can do. But if we get in this very safe and secure mentality, then what's why why should we do it? Because it's going to compromise our safety and security potentially, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so looking at the economic value of certainty, I think you know kind of where he was where he was pointing to. And as far as from my I actually have not read it uh, recently, but uh, but obviously it's made a huge impression because I think about it a lot. Um, but the idea is is so that there, that fear doesn't necessarily exist because when fear occupies the mind, it is that's one of the most destructive things that can occur. And I think yep. a lot of you know, people these days are are very fearful because there's a lot of unknowns out there, and it can become a poison to an extent, and it it's can true. be viral and. and just get involved in our thoughts and put us in different moods and that affects everything around us. So looking at the economic value of certainty, how does that how does that help eliminate fear?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up fear because fear is a big one. And Les talked a lot about fear. Those that ever went to his seminars or, or talked to him, mm-hmm. fear is a, a huge subject that he covered. And the reason is, is fear is usually not the primary condition. You usually, it's a secondary cause and what it is usually a cause from is uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Things that we're not familiar with mm-hmm. Uh, we're fair f- fearful of, yep. and as people break out of fears, whether it's of heights or spiders or something, yep. it becomes, the more contact or the more knowledge they have about something, the less fearful more they fearful. are of it. And so to break through fear is to get information, good information, obviously, and the more certainty and information you have about something, the less fearful you are. So how, do, so how does
0: that apply to finances then?
1: Um, it directly. You know, kind of what I said before: a, a dollar, a guaranteed dollar, is worth more than a, f- a future dollar. Okay. It's unguaranteed, and um, and I think for the human condition, I think we're really, really good at operating when we know the parts and we know the variables and we know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we get kind of a paralysis when we there's parts of something that we don't know. We're fe- we're fearful to move forward into something if there's unknowns that we don't know how to handle.
0: Uh, yeah, I think, and if you look at, uh, I think debt is a, is something people are afraid of, not because of the debt. Itself for what the debt purchased, but because there are payments associated with it, and those payments have to be made for a specific period of time, there's an unknown out in the future, which is, am I going to be able to make this? Therefore, trying to eliminate that future fear, I mean, I guess just kind of subconsciously people are pay off debt, pay off debt, which is the only way in which that can be accomplished, which is obviously not the case, but nonetheless, that's what people are trying to do, is always solve the problem of either a a present fear or a future fear. Yeah. And with that same fear, I think people are taught now, and this is
1: what we try to kind of debunk, is that to prepare for retirement, they have to have their money in the market. Mm-hmm. And the market is up and down. So they live throughout their working career with money in the market. Their retirement is basically mm-hmm. hanging in the market. Yep. And there's a fear behind it that you don't know when you hit the age that you say you want to retire whether the money will be there. And he was saying, if you could get the same results, get the same money at retirement, but it's a guaranteed dollar to be there, yep. the, the your working years will be great. And plus, you'll you'll be happy because you know it's going to be there. And also, that will unlock your mind to do things that you would never have done before in
0: that fear paradigm. And right now, I mean, if you look, that's there. There's studies done and surveys that's that's the top top main fears of especially older individuals, which is running out of money, yeah. uh, or uh, or health, you know, health healthcare problems. But uh, but I was having a conversation with a with a neighbor of mine and. Um, it's awesome because we do all, all of our business over over the internet, and so we don't have to no. go and you know tackle our neighbors to do business with us. But uh, but it was interesting having a conversation and just individuals how they look at just a, a simple idea that's that's brought about through the traditional financial services industry with qualified plans and what the market does over time and what your money is going to be. No. And he was you know he was talking about man I could you know in a hundred years my kids could have fifty million dollars in inside of their Roth IRA, and I'm like. Yeah, they they probably they probably could, but I mean, what does that matter now? Yeah, because <laughs> obviously, you know, fifty. Who, who knows what circumstances are going to be like then? Who knows what fifty million dollars is going to buy then? Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, in, individual I think, as part of our society, we're always it, money is is kind of what makes the world go round, as the as the saying says. And uh, if we're going to be in a modern society, you know, we're going to have to transact. We're going to have to deal with money at, at yeah. to some extent. So looking at looking at certainty. I mean that obviously is going to you know create circumstances in your mind that are going to eliminate eliminate fear, optimize and optimize progression. So, yeah. is there anything else like in the, in the pamphlet that Les talked about, which is how is how is the economic value of certainty going to help help individuals? Yeah. Or how would it help individuals? No, that's I'm glad you brought that up yeah.
1: because if you can see the picture I chose to put on the cover is chess, a chess game, yeah. and you loved the game of chess for the reason that. A master chess player playing a novice chess player will never lose. It's not a game of chess. Chess is not like rolling the dice and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You play yeah. you know, cards or dice, and, and those are not, uh, an expert player, a novice player, can sometimes beat him because it's a game of chance, yep. much like the market's a game of chance. Where a chess game is something that a good player will never lose to a poor player. And he... And makes the analogy of that towards money, and I'll just read a quote out of it. He says, yep. "Master players do not focus on the inherent strength of individual pieces or products, like like a novice player does. Is just get everything out of the move, you know, free up the queen and just move the queen around. That's yeah. every move."
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it says, "But rather <laughs> on strategic coordination of all the pieces." Mass play- master chess players also value protection at a premium even above opportunity they are patient because they know that if they can avoid losing their resources eventually lucrative opportunities will arise and i I love that and they and he talks about how a chess player can beat you with a pawn just as easy as he can beat with a queen queen yep and he looks at everything in a macro and that's what we try to teach people say look at the big picture don't look at one product look at everything going on and coordinate those
0: yeah and if and if individuals just knew about what the pawn could do and didn't know how the other pieces operated, yep. I mean that's all they're going to be able to deal with. Exactly. So, so yeah, I think I mean there's obviously a tremendous amount of, of parallel there to other aspects besides besides finance. But at the end of the day, I mean I think if you look at human beings and and what our capacity is, we're never going to know. We're never going to know everything. But I think in our sure. day and age. There is such an immense amount of access to to resources that whether it's individuals or whether it's uh, books or whether it's information online, it could provide us the education around these pieces so that we can yes. eventually become a master. Because, like I said, it, we have to deal with mo- we have to deal with money, yeah. and most individuals are just you know I don't want to have to deal with it, and therefore I'm going to give it to to somebody else because I think that they're an expert. So it's not necessarily a matter of control now; it's a matter of trust.
1: Yeah, exactly. And where we live in a world that is uncertain. Yeah. But what he is saying, you know, he's not saying we can't control the world around us. Yep. What we can tr- control is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and we talk about this a lot And as we get together, mm-hmm. that we uh, help our clients have the maximum number of choices. Because okay. so, when you move forward 20 years, if you have five choices versus one choice, one, then you have a lot more options. So if the world is different 20 years from now than what you thought it would be, you have five choices versus one choice. And the more choices you can have and the more freedom and flexibility... The more power you have, and the more certainty.
0: Well, it makes you th- it makes you think different. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of a lot of what's being what, what Les is trying to get across is is the ability to is the ability to th- critically think. Yeah, is to rationalize different choices, is to rationalize options. And unless you have a specific system or a set of rules or something to initiate that, you're not gonna, you're not going to do it. And I think these days, unfortunately, I think we all fall victim to this, which is uh, not critically thinking. We yep. always look at the status quo, we look at popular opinion, we look to those who are on a pedestal who sound like they know what they're doing. Yep. And because of that, that's what allows us to make a decision. And it's not necessarily the the right thing. Even though it may sound good, yep. it may not be the right thing. And so as far as getting to this, this idea of certainty, there's a lot of responsibility on the shoulders of the individual to recognize that it is certain and then once they do have some sort of clarity around it, it's it's to take action and actually do something about the circumstances.
1: No, I like like what you're saying, too, because I feel like when we teach people, we don't, you know, versus the popular media, we're not introducing just a product and saying, do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. We start with education, and it always goes back to education, and we'll even drag out the process with someone for the education purpose. Mm-hmm. And Les talked about it before that in the world of financial planning, saying I'll do it because I trust you is like the most coveted thing a, a financial advisor can get, and that's exactly what we don't want. Yep. It's, we don't want people just doing it because they trust us. They want to do it because they know what they're doing. Yep. They have the knowledge. That we've increased their capacity to make decisions, and, and they're empowered by that yeah and I, I love that with when we meet with clients that we're not just trying to push the latest product on someone. we're trying to educate them on how to think you know paradigm life. obviously, yep. a different paradigm of thinking yep. will give them greater certainty.
0: And at the end of the day, I mean, you look at you look at money itself and where money comes from. I mean money money isn't just it doesn't just appear. I mean money is a representation of a person. Yep. okay, the money doesn't exist unless they've done something. and so that something is essentially what they controlled, and it came from them. It was part of them. It was a part of a talent or ability yep. and so forth. And then subsequently getting the excess, because obviously money can, is spent on lifestyle. It's spent on entertainment. But then the excess goes to somebody that didn't earn it. Yep. Now you, and that's where you have the majority of issues. And it comes down to... How people have been programmed and, uh, and I think we're all, pro- again, like I said, we're all programmed. We're all susceptible to stimuli and if it's repetitive, we're automatically programmed whether we like yeah. it or not, but it's really thinking through that programming. And I think these days, the prime, you know, if you were to ask um, or to start a conversation around investments, people would just go right to a specific type of investment just because yep. it's the most common repetitive stimuli, which is out there, which is the, which is the market. Exactly. But then you look at how the market works and how it operates and you look at history and you actually critically think through it. It is one of the worst places for, for money, the traditional way, unless you have a business and you trade. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, maybe there can be an argument. But as far as the traditional way of doing things, it is, there's no brain function whatsoever. It's all based on luck yep. because nobody can control
1: it. And, and you're right. And most most financial planners will say the money is the only variable they touch. And to go back to um, his article or his pamphlet that he wrote, he says um, his definition of economics is a science of scarcity. And he says money is certainly a scarce resource, but we must remember that it is not the only limited resource in people's lives. Hence, economics is not inherently a financial discipline, but rather a science of the efficient use of any resource. And he goes on and lists some of those, and he says... Um, where he says, risk is not limited to the potential loss of money, but also broadened to include the possibility of underutilization of any resource. Our clients possess numerous non-financial resources that must also be considered. And I, this is where our education comes in. Mm-hmm. It says, Asset, or these include assets such as time, effort, focus, attention, hope, faith, love, integrity, desire to contribute and excel, and willingness to take risk. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we bring all that stuff in for the well-being of their life. If we're not increasing all those, then we're not doing our job. We're not just focused on money. Yeah. We're focused on overall
0: well-being. Well, my I mean, what's at the end of the day, what's the what's the output people are looking for as as it pertains to money? It's it's more money, it's a cash flow, it's a dollar amount, etc. Yeah. Or happiness or ha- or happiness. Yeah. You know, what, whatever it provides. That's ultimately what the outcome is. But the only but money is not the only variable, and that's kind of sure. what he's yep, saying. Exactly. There's so many different variables involved, and so if you think money is the only variable, then you're you're gambling. Exactly. But now you look at you know how you created the money in the first place, and then now how you can think about what to do with it to make it productive. Yep. That's an, that's another thing. And yeah, a bird in the hand or two in the bush. Whatever whatever the you know whatever the, the metaphor the analogy that you that you use, you're going to be the best steward over your money. Yep. Ultimately, at the end of the day, even though somebody else may be able to throw it here, throw it there, and earn a rate of return, they may be able to do that. They may lose it. There may be things outside of their control that yep. that, that happen. Um, but at the end of the day, if you if you study, if you learn, if you uh, dedicate yourself to to actually thinking and looking for opportunities, they're everywhere.
1: Yeah, and he'd often say, "Is your what you're doing? Does it work across all circumstances, or only the best circumstances?" You know, and I think a lot of people, you know, they put money towards a retirement that it only works if
0: everything goes in goes their right. Yep. <laughs> and that and that's like that's like the it's anti-life because yep. things are always going to go different than we plan because human beings are fallible. We we change our minds. Yep. Uh, tr- different trends uh, affect and influence things. I mean, it's it's just amazing to think about life and how how fast-paced it is these days, how many things are changing, and how that how that has, is a ripple effect through through everything. Yep. So yeah, I think I think the the immediacy as well as looking at, you know, what a game plan is or a system or a strategy, it has to be relevant now and also relevant in in the future. Yep. And looking at the stock market, that's just simply not the case. I mean, think about that's it. True. Go back to you know the the turn of the century there wasn't e trade or ameritrade i mean there has to there had to be some antiquated set of procedures to actually make the stock market work but now yeah. what do you do i mean i could log on here and do, in within 30 seconds buy 100 shares in levi's or, yeah. or whatever and and so a, a lot of the market these days is uh, is changing but people look at it that it's the same as it was 100 years ago yeah.
1: it's just simply not and he didn't even touch on that saying if you bought 100 shares of levi what control do you have on whether Levi is successful or not? Yeah. None. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can buy their shares, yeah. but you have no control whether it's yeah. that. Where banking on yourself, the philosophy yeah. is you are accountable, you're responsible, but you have control of you. Yep. You can make the decisions. You can think for yourself. You can, as time goes on, make the proper choices to better yourself. Yeah. You and have yeah.
0: complete control. And now that you think about it, I mean, what, one of the thoughts that's going through my head is is the idea of certainty and because obviously we use a financial product, that's how we get paid. That's what the yeah. what, our, what our business really is. Uh, but it's a financial product that has transcended so many different time periods, and it's not based on some, you know, set of circumstances that may or may not happen. I mean, it's contingent on what is inevitably going to happen to everyone. Yeah. And looking at probability and statistics, all you really need now, again, there's I don't think there's anything as a, a perfect absolute. Um, but if you look at you know death, I think it is, in a sense, uh, absolute. But just statistics in general, if you have a big enough sample size, you can know what sort of events we're going to have. That's why most insurance yep. companies are, are profitable, is because they have a lot amount, a, a large amount of data, yep. and they're able to look at what variables pertain to this data and how do we price that to be profitable. And at the end of the day, insurance companies, thats what that's essentially what they do. There's not much yep. gambling there whatsoever. Uh, And then it comes down to, you know, who are the owners of the insurance company. So, obviously, through our strategies, it's leveraging mutual companies because that's who you, because you're essentially an owner in in that very likely uh, probability model. Yeah, exactly. And in, in here, to just quote him again, he
1: says, so the best way to make economic choices is not bet on future, not to bet on the future based on results from the past. But to test the performance of every choice against the widest range of possibilities, hmm. from the absolute best case scenario to the absolute absolute worst case scenario. That's kind of what you're saying. That yeah. you know, don't don't drive the car based on the past.
0: Drive the car based on all the possibilities of the future. Yeah. And look to the future. That's interesting. No, and that's it's such a yeah, it's again like I said, it, it it corresponds to so many different so many different aspects of life. But obviously money is is really what's on everybody's mind throughout the day, yeah. and it's, it typically is not always a favorable outlook or perspective. And you hear oftentimes with you know individuals dreading opening some sort of quarterly statement or opening up their brokerage account because again it's it's a it's a gamble. It's will it be higher? Or will it be lower? But there's no set there's no set of certain circumstances whatsoever there.
1: Yeah, and I think I'll, I won't read it, but I'll use his analogy because I think this will kind of tie it together for your listeners. But he talks about driving down a 100-mile stretch of highway. I don't know if you remember this or not. And anybody yeah. that's driven, you know, in the south you get freezes every once in a while, and you always see the signs by bridges, you know, that the bridges may have frozen over when mm-hmm. temperatures get down. So most of the country has it, you know, can drive in places where black ice is a real thing. Yep. So you're driving down this 100-mile stretch of freeway, you hit black ice, the car you know goes out of control, luckily you get it back into control, but what's going on? You're, you know, you're tightened up, adrenaline's pumping, you know, fear sets in, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, the next 100 miles, how do you drive? <laughs> you know, do you drive 100 miles an hour or do you drive 40 miles an hour? Yep. Obviously, you drive much slower yep. because of the uncertainty ahead. Yep. And he says, after you've driven the 100 miles, you look back and you may never hit black ice again, but you drove 40 miles an hour during that period of time. Yep. Versus if, if at that time you hit black ice and then you recover, if... Your someone trusted had just traveled the road right in front of you ten minutes before and was giving you updates and they said the road is clear guaranteed yeah. or the case he uses in here it's the summertime hundred degree weather yeah. you know there's, there's no black ice, ice. <laughs> how do you drive you drive you know speed limit or you know maybe ten over if it was less you know hundred miles an hour <laughs> but Did he drive fast oh yeah he loved his, he loved cars and, <laughs> oh, and driving fast but anyway yeah. so you drive you know eighty maybe. Instead of 40. Mm -hmm. And that's the certainty he's talking about is when you have that certainty of what the future holds, you can perform differently today. And he uses another analogy saying if you have a rich great uncle that leaves you a million dollars and you know you're going to get that million dollars a year from today and you go verify it, you see it, it's in gold or something sitting in a vault. You can touch it, look at it, but you can't do anything with it for one year. Does your life change today? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Absolutely, right? I mean, you live life differently today even though you never you don't get that million dollars for a year. Yeah. And as you start pushing it, you know, is it does it change if it moves 2 years or 5 years or 10 years? And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. We have a certainty of the um, mortality rate of humans. We know everyone's going to die. Life insurance companies are good at predicting that. Yeah. And there's a certain event that will happen in everybody's life. And because of that certainty, we can perform differently today.
0: It's interesting. As a what as you were as you were talking talking about Kind of speeding. There was a there was a special. I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. There was a special called uh, Mind Over Money on PBS, and uh, and this was I think this was a couple couple of years ago. But on on this special, it just talked about what what kind of goes on in the brain of, of somebody, their brain activity associated yes. with financial decisions. And uh, one of the one of the tests that they did is they had uh, they went into a mall and they you know kind of asked a set of questions and they said. If we were to give you a thousand dollars a year from now, okay, and the day presented itself and you had to wait one more day for a thousand ten dollars, would you wait? Would you wait that? Would mm. you wait that day? Okay, and what do you think most people said? Probably no, or yes. I don't know. They said yes. Yeah. They said yeah. Well, I mean, I've already waited a year. Oh, what's what, yeah, what's yeah. one more day? Gotcha. Then they presented them with the question, which is if. Uh, if we were going to give you nine hundred dollars today, or a thousand dollars tomorrow, what would you take? <laughs> did they change? Yeah, they changed. They did. Yeah. Huh? They said I would take nine hundred dollars today. Wow. So, so my point is, I think we look at, we look at kind of what drives the decisions mm-hmm. that we that we make, and we're very short term. Okay? Even though fin- finances is a marathon. I mean, our life. Um, it depends on how old you are, of course. But, you know your life could stretch on for another 50 60 70 80 years so yeah. you're not really concerned about 30 years from now or 20 years from now or 50 years from now yeah. okay you're concerned about right now and what is you know what's what's sexy what's exciting what's you know can you take the risks that's what that's what people always say well I can I can uh, I can yeah. afford the risks and it, it's it's amazing that if you don't look because again the the, the that that uh, that scenario, you know, waiting and waiting an extra day a year from now, or waiting an extra day today, I mean, it's the same variables. Yeah. Okay, but looking at how perspective changes is very is very interesting because I mean, obviously immediacy and wanting good returns, wanting to take risks, I can understand that. I mean, I understand where the the human energy comes from to to basically make that decision. But at, the, but at the same time, you have to rationally think through that and see yep. what's occurred in the past, what's and what's most likely going to happen in the future, and it never ends up the way people think. I'm glad
1: you brought that up because he ta- he addresses that as well, talking about risk, and we've really been duped into thinking that to be prosperous you have to take risk. Yep. And it, to prove it is to say, you think being you know risky, you want you know people say, oh yeah, it's a sexy thing to do. Yeah. But if you say, I can guarantee you tomorrow I have a thousand dollars or you can take some risk and it may or may not be there. Yeah. Which one do you want to take? You always want to take the guarantee. Yeah. But for some reason people think in the market to be successful you have to be risky. Yeah. And that's what we kind of try to teach people is that your success does not depend on how much risk you're willing to take. Yeah. It actually depends on how much you want to get rid of. You know Warren Buffett, probably one of the richest people and most savvy investors we know, yeah. you know his his mantra is never lose money. Don't yep. take risk. He yep. he mitigates his risk to as near zero as possible. Yep and he's he's the smartest one at this game so he doesn't think risk is sexy but we've kind of been taught hey to get a higher rate of return
0: is sexy so to to risk yourself and yeah. it's it's foolish and it kind of goes you know goes to your your comment on the, the 100 shares of levis uh, that's the thing is he he knows how to go in, value the business and he's not gonna buy a hundred shares, he's gonna buy the he's gonna buy, the buy the majority <laughs> shares and operate like a business and have influence over directing yep. that. So most people say, Oh well Buffett's Buffett's in the market and Benjamin Graham was in the market, but no, they invested a lot differently because it was it was business, it was things that they controlled. If they didn't have control, there'd be they'd have no business no. in that type of investment.
1: So Exactly. But, and one but, thing that you mentioned that I liked as well, talking about risk and these things, is is we project that we'll be a different person down the road. But if we hate paying taxes today, what makes you think when you get? So if we defer money now, so because we're fair, we don't want to pay our taxes, yep. or don't want, we want to pay taxes but not pay taxes now? Mm-hmm. What makes you think when you hit retirement, you're just suddenly going to wake up and say, "I love paying taxes"? <laughs> and you probably noticed this with your clients. Oh yeah. You get you know retired age people. They still absolutely do not want to pay taxes. So what happens is they never touch that money. Yep. It just becomes locked away, and and never utilized until one day it's going to be utilized by. Their favorite uncle, exactly, <laughs> or at least and, favorite uncle, and he points out, <laughs> "What is that? If yeah. I have money, I never touch it and I pass it on to somebody." It's life insurance, and so, yep. you know, and ultimately, if you have investment accounts or IRAs, 401ks, and you okay. never touch them, you live off interest and pass it on to your heirs. Yep. It's expensive life insurance. Yep. No,
0: no, it goes to it goes to habit too, because I think we're all creatures of habit, and like we said in the beginning, when when things are in routine, there's a comfort level there, and we can yep. all attest to that. Okay, but at the same time, if that comfort level goes on and on and on and on for a long period of time, it is the it's a diff, I mean, habits oh. are difficult to break. Bad habits and good and good habits. So looking at a habit of saving and accumulating and never having a utilization of that money, yep. and then suddenly thirty years comes and it's like, oh, I've done this for thirty years. Why would I just? Am I just really? Is human nature really going to allow a person to change? Exactly at the at the drop of a hat? No.
1: Where our education is to say, get in that same routine, but that, that new habit that we're going to develop is a habit of choices, responsibility, clarity, that you know you have a lot of options, and so you get in the habit of doing something disciplined, but it's proven to be, um, to work. Yep. It's going to work. There's guarantees, and then as you get disciplined on being principled, the, the future is great. Yep. So kind of to wrap,
0: to wrap things up, I mean, so much, so much of our life is is uncertain. Yep. And more so than we think. I mean, nothing is really certain. We have, we don't know. Even though life has happened a specific way, and tomorrow is very probable, nothing is nothing is certain. But there are some things you can do that create certainty. And yep. if you create that certainty, it's going to help you think different. And bottom line is, we have a massive, massive asset, which is our brain. And doing everything possible to make sure your brain functions optimally is going to be the best investment you ever can make. So, eating right, exercising, studying. I mean, your brain capacity is 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 immense. That's yeah. your biggest asset. And one of the best ways to create clarity inside of that asset is to create certainty in the in your external yeah. world. And your brain actually
1: never gets old no. if yeah. it's exercised. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously there's there's diseases and things that can impair it, but if it, mm. you know, assuming health your brain, as long as you keep exercising it, goes in. And we've probably all seen that. People that shut off their brain in retirement and never do anything, <laughs> they get old so much faster than someone that isn't engaged. I have a client right now that's 80, still goes to a job. It's a business he founded. He got it. He's now passed it on to his kids that they run it. But he loves going to work. And he yep. says, why would I stop? I'm 80 years old. Yep. I can I can set my schedule. I'm around my family. I love doing what I'm doing. Yep. And he, on the phone, sounded you know, 50. He sounded great. He mm-hmm. sounded fabulous. And he's 80 years old and going strong because like you said your brain you know is always is always growing
0: well the ne- the natural tendency of an individual is is productivity and I think it's a difficult thing to do but it goes to, I kind of have a, a, a mantra or philosophy that's that's you know a lot of the, the amazing things about life are, are difficult if yep. amazing things happen to you with little to no effort then it, it's it's kind of against that's a Against against some of life's or universal principle, but uh, but yeah, but looking at productivity, I mean it's it's all about being passionate about something. It's all all about um, you know making making progress. And yep. so and, and once the brain shuts off, the progress is is inhibited. So certainty again, it's hard to come by. But if you create elements of certainty in your life, it's just going to make you be all the more all the more productive. Yep. So. Okay, cool. So we're gonna put the uh, we'll put the PDF on uh, on the blog. Yeah. And uh, so we'll put it on our website as well. So if you're on the blog, we'll have it there. Uh, if for some reason it's not pulling up, we'll put it on the, the website blog. So just go to ParadigmLife.net forward slash podcast. Uh, but Eric was awesome to have you. I'm I'm Great. sure you'll be back on yeah, in the as, as in often near, as you'll have in, me I'll in be the on. near in the near future. Uh, but definitely go and download uh, The Economic Value of Certainty by by Les Maguire. It's a, it's an it's a very short read. Yep. but it's an, it's, it's an easy read. It's not, even though there's the word economics in there, it's not written, well, I guess it was written by an economist, but it was written by a more of a rational yep. economist. And that's what <laughs> his, his
1: talent really was, bringing these principles down to a level that everyone can understand them. That a was a huge strength that he had. Cool. It's 12 pages long, you can see, and it's not even the full, you know, print in this print, which is not too bad. So, cool. yeah, you can read it quickly. All right, Eric, thanks for being on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Talk to you guys
0: next time.